You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 1 Samuel chapter number 17, it's a blessing to be back here again. I think I moved my membership tonight. How about that? I'm a good tither. All pastors are believe in tithing. Amen. And I appreciate the good service we had this morning. I thought as that dear man was talking, how we need that kind of leadership again. And we need to pray for our nation like never before. I love you, Pastor, and I thank God for you. And we love the school and what God is doing in the lives of these young people. And God is great and he is worthy of our servants. Julie and I are glad to be here. She didn't get to travel with me as much since we have grandchildren. She trades them for me. She says they're less trouble than I am. And I really believe it. And, but it's such a blessing. We've been in a strange environment for the last 18 months. Whoever thought we'd go to the bank with our mask on? I went to deposit my check the other day. I didn't know if I was holding her up or she was holding me up. I didn't know. Whoever heard of social distancing? I'd never even heard of that. I knew I didn't want to go to my mother-in-law's, but now I just social dist. It works, amen. Corona, I never heard of Corona. Some of you have, but it wasn't a cold. <laughs> they say it keeps you from having one. I don't know. But I'm glad in the midst of all of this, we got a word from God. And never, ever underestimate the power of one word. I heard of a preacher the other day that was wanting to buy a horse. And that boy said, well, I'm glad you're a preacher because this horse only understands religious commands. You get on that horse and the only way you're going to make him go is say, praise the Lord. And the more you praise the Lord, the faster he will go. But there's only one word that'll make him stop, and it's the word, amen. Man, he got on that horse and said, praise the Lord, and it took off. He was having such a good time. He said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Man, that thing was stretched out, running at a breakneck speed. And the preacher knew up the road there was a cliff with a 150 foot drop off. He said, man, I better get this thing stopped. Well, he forgot the word. He went, whoa, it kept running. He said, stop, and it kept running. And finally, right on the very edge, he remembered and said, amen. And that horse stopped. The rocks were trickling below. And the preacher looked over and went, whew. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny, amen. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, you look better with your mask on, amen. First Samuel chapter number 17. We'll break in the chapter in verse number 29. The mighty man by the name of David, what a life, what a labor, what a legacy. 
We've seen David as a son. We've seen David as a singer. We've seen David as a soldier. Later on, we'll see David as a sovereign. And we've seen David as a shepherd. But as he comes to chapter number 17, a familiar passage where he engages in this battle with the giant. When he comes, he sees something that tears him apart. He sees fear. He sees discouragement. He sees intimidation. And he realizes that he must rally the troops. I hope you do not take for granted the church that you have here and what God has blessed you with. Since January of this year, I've been in 87 different places. By the end of the year, it should top about 107 or 108. And I promise you tonight that most churches are not almost filled on Sunday night. They're not even having church. Most churches don't have a capacity crowd on Sunday morning, they're barely making budget. As I've preached all over this country this year, I've seen a spirit of fear, intimidation, almost hopeless and despair as it's crept over the body of Christ. We must rally the troops. It's not quitting time. It's not compromising time. It's not throwing in the towel time. We must rally the troops. And little David comes with the power of God upon his life. And he's going to rally the troops to victory. He does it with the rallying cry in verse number 29 of 1 Samuel 17. And David said, what have I now done? Say this with me. Here's my text tonight. Is there not a cause? Say that with me again. Is there not a cause? Now watch what happens in verse number 30. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. So he turns to somebody to his left and says, is there not a cause? He turns to somebody to his right and says, is there not a cause? He taps the fellow in front of him and says, hey, is there not a cause? He turns around to the guy behind him and said, is there not a cause? And the Bible said, and the people answered him again after the former manner. So now all of a sudden, these people that were afraid, that were intimidated, that were frightened, that were silenced, that already were singing the song of defeat, they felt like they wasn't going to make it. Now all of a sudden they're saying to each other, is there not a cause? 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 I want you to turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, wake up, is there not a cause? Turn to somebody behind you and say, hey, is there not a cause? Tap the guy on the, front, on the shoulder in front of you and say, hey, is there not a cause? May we rally the troops tonight with this rallying cry. There is a cause. Watch what happens in verse number 31. And when the words 
which were heard that David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The rallying cry was, is there not a cause? I wonder how many would agree with me in this service tonight that there is a cause. And it's greater than it's ever been. The world, the devil has done everything he could to silence the voice of the church. To put out the light of the church. And a lot of people have thrown in the towel and they've given in. But tonight I want to try to rally the troops with this rallying cry, there is a cause. You realize tonight we live in a free country because a generation said, there is a cause. There's a church here in this spot winning souls to Jesus Christ here and around the world. Because every week people make up their mind, there is a cause. You're sitting here tonight, saved by the grace of God, hell proof and heaven bound. Because somebody got a burden for you and they said, there is a cause. Tonight, there is a cause to sing the songs of Zion. Tonight, there is a cause to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight, there is a cause to send missionaries around the globe. Tonight, there is a cause to walk across the street and knock on the door of your neighbor and tell him about a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a cause. Let's not be defeated tonight. Let's not be discouraged tonight. Let's not be intimidated and despondent tonight because there is a cause. God's people need to rally the troops, step out of the closet, wade into the battle, lift high the blood-stained banner, and lift up that name that is above every name. There is a cause. As I come to this text tonight, as David comes to rally the troops, I see four particular causes that are worthy tonight for you and I to engage in the battle and rally the troops. I'm going to get you help me to preach this sermon tonight, so everybody hold out your index finger like this. Are you ready? And I'm going to have you point to the cause tonight that ought to rally us to serve the Lord. Number one, let's point up. Cause number one, his cause. Say that with me, his cause. There is a cause tonight, and it's his cause. When David wades out into this battle, the check on his brethren, he hears the enemy before he sees the enemy. The enemy then was much like the enemy tonight. They got a real big mouth. You hear them before you see them. 
And what David hears coming out of the mouth of that giant infuriates him. He's not out there cursing Saul. He's not out there cursing his father Jesse and his brethren. He's out there cursing and profaning the holy, wonderful, majestic name of Almighty God. And the more that giant profanes and curses God, the fire begins to burn in David's soul. And he said, you know, there is a cause. And it is his cause. He said, God's honor tonight. God's word tonight. God's holiness tonight. God's glory tonight. There is a cause and it is his cause. I wonder how many would agree to me tonight that our God is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our giving. He is worthy of our praise. David never got over what happened to him. He was a little boy on the backside of the desert and the man of God sent for him And the man of God anointed him with the oil of approval. And David never forgot what it was like to get under the spout where the oil was running out. Tonight I have never forgotten that when I couldn't go to where Jesus was, he came to where I was. I've never gotten over meeting the Lord is my shepherd I never got over encountering God who is a refuge in the time of trouble. I've never got over the fact tonight that the Lord is my light and my strength and my rock and my shield and he is my redeemer. I was a sinner on my way to hell going down for the last time but Jesus saved me. But Jesus redeemed me. But Jesus delivered me. I feel like David when he said, I waited patiently upon the Lord. And he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and hath set my feet upon a rock, established my going, put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto my God. And in light of all of that, he is worthy of our witness. He is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our giving. He is worthy of our praise. There is a cause tonight, and it's his cause, his word, his name, his glory, his honor. He deserves our all. He deserves our best. He deserves more than half-hearted Christianity. He deserves more than our apathetic view of winning lost people to Jesus Christ. He's worthy. He's God. He's wonderful. He's awesome. He's our Savior. He's our Shepherd. He's our Redeemer. He's our Emancipator. He's our Friend. He's our Anointing. He's our Atonement. He's our Lord. He's our King. He is our all in all. There is a cause. There is a cause. And it is His cause. There is a cause. And it's His cause. 
Secondly, tonight, I want you to take your finger and I want you to turn to somebody beside of you and shake it at them real good. Some of you women's been wanting to do that all day. Go ahead. He won't hurt you. He's in church. Number two, there is a cause. You know what that cause is? Their cause. It is their cause. Turn to somebody beside of you tonight and say, their cause. Their cause. Their cause. Pastor Treber David walks out into that battlefield. And what he sees tears his nerves up. He sees the soldiers of Israel, the skilled soldiers in the army, shaking in their boots. He sees strong, powerful men cowering in a corner. He even looks at the king, the anointed of God, Saul, a man that is hidden shoulder above them all. Even he is shaking in fear and intimidation in his boots. And David looks around and says, they need me. My family needs me. My brethren needs me. My, my, my church needs me. My king needs me. My nation needs me. My fellow comrades in the ministry, they need me. He realized he was not alone in this battle. He realized there is a cause and that cause was the man beside of him and the man in front of him and the man behind him. He realized they were in the warfare together. It was the whole nation they were trying to defeat. It was the whole heritage they were trying to defeat. And David said, my king needs me. My brethren needs me. My family needs me. My fellow soldiers need me. There is a cause, and it is their cause. And can I remind us tonight, there is a cause, and we're sitting in it tonight. Your church needs you like never before. Our nation needs us like never before. Your pastor needs you like never before. The staff needs you like never before. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need you like never before. These missionaries need you like never before. Church, you need each other. That's why I believe during the shutdown, the devil was having a heyday because God's people are not built for solitude. We're not built to be alone. We're built to stand together and weep together and pray together and fight together because one day Jesus is coming and we're going home together and we'll live together. We're not to forsake this statement of ourselves together as the matter of some is. It's together tonight. We need each other. There is a cause. There is a cause. There is a cause. It is their cause. We need one another tonight. I read this little thing the other day in the paper. It blessed me. It said this day in history. That day in history was June the 1st, 1813. A young Navy captain by the name of James Lawrence, at the age of 31, was commanding the USS Chesapeake. And as he was sailing in the Boston Harbor, he encountered a British blockade ship. His vessel was attacked, a battle ensued, and he was mortally wounded. As he lay in the arms of his men dying, he lifted up his voice with his last ounce of strength and said these words, don't give up the ship. 
Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Those words went down in history. It is still a rallying cry for the U.S. Navy in this very hour. In fact, there is a flag called the Perry flag. His friend and fellow officer, Oliver Perry, was so impressed with these words. He had a big blue flag and sewn in white letters was that statement. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. They said he flew that flag right beside of old glory on the mast of his ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. May I try to rally the troops across this country tonight for the gospel and soul winning and missions and the cause of Christ. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. May we not give up our soul winning and our missions and our hymn singing and our Bible preaching and our personal evangelism. Don't give up the ship. It's worth it all. There is a cause. There is a cause. Compromise is not the cause. Quitting's not the cause. Turning back's not the cause. Don't give up the ship. Preacher Treber, don't give up the ship. Choir, don't give up the ship. Don't quit having Sunday school. Don't quit having Sunday night. Don't quit having soul winning. Don't give up the ship. Don't give up the ship. There is a cause. There is a cause. It is their cause. The body of Christ needs us tonight. There is a cause. Ready? Number one, his cause. Number two, their cause. I see a third cause in this text tonight. You ready? Hold your finger out and point to yourself. My cause. There is a cause and it's my cause. There stands David. He sees the fear in his brethren. He sees the fear in the trained soldiers of Israel. He sees the anointed. He sees the king. He sees Saul trembling and intimidated in his own boots. And as he sees the fear of his people, the intimidation of his people, the survival of his nation, the survival of his spiritual heritage on the line. And he hears God's name being degraded and profane and defiled. Brother, that was a burning in his own heart. That was a pricking of his own conscience. That was a stirring in his own soul. And David said, I cannot be silent. I cannot sit on the sideline. I cannot keep it at idle. I cannot stay in neutral. If it costs me my life, I know I'm young. I know I'm unexperienced. I know I don't have the equipment. And in my flesh, I'm not able to stand up against that giant. But my conscience is pricking me. And my heart is calling me. And there's a desire burning in me. And there's the wheels of faith turning in me. If I don't do something, I'm going to sin against my own conscience. I'm going to quench the Spirit of God in my own life. Because of the fire and the desire and the burning inside of me, I've got to go. I've got to pay the price. I've got to fight the battle. I have a calling. I have a conscience. I have an anointing. God is in me, moving in me. For my sake, I gotta go. I got a fire in me, a drive in me. It's my cause. I've gotta do something. I can't stand by and watch it happen like this. I've got to wade in because it's my cause. 
my conscience, my burden, the fire of God that's burning in my own heart will not let me be silent. There's something that I'm seeing today that really, really bothers me. That's the like of fire. Enthusiasm. Oomph. Burning into people. One man said to me today, he said, oh, Joe may go to heaven if he don't run by it. I said, but at least I'm happy and headed in that direction. I can't help it. I have no other choice but to preach. I have no other choice but to believe the Bible. I have no other choice but to go soul winning. I have no other choice than to ring the bell of old time religion. My heart is burning. There's a fire burning. There's a wheel turning in my soul. My conscience, my calling, my anointing. I can't stay silent. I can't stay neutral. I'm going to sin against my conscience. I'm going to quench the fire that's burning in me. There is a cause. There is a cause. It's my cause. Let's wait out in the battle tonight. Our conscience and our calling and the anointing of God upon our life. Let's give it all for the glory of God. I grew up in a preacher's home. An old-fashioned conservative preacher's home. I mean an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, King James only Baptist preacher's home. And I'm not trying to recover from it. I love it. You'll never hear this avoid disdain my heritage. I love it. I'm burning the candle at both ends trying to get it to another generation. I love it. And young preachers used to come to my dad and I didn't understand it back then. Brother JB, I feel like the Lord is calling me to preach. And dad would say, well, boy, if you can do anything else, do it. But if you can't, let her rip. And I said to him one day, Dad, why are you saying that? If you can do anything else, do it. Are you trying to discourage those young men from going into the ministry and being a preacher? He says, no, son, I'm not trying to discourage them. But I am trying to let them know when they're in the heat of the battle, and when the enemy is raging and they feel tired and weary and overwhelmed, they're going to have to have something in their soul more than an ordination certificate. They're going to have to have a calling and a fire and an unction and a burning in their heart. And I'm telling you tonight, there's a fire in me. The wheels are turning tonight. My conscience is pricking me. I cannot stay silent. I cannot stay neutral. I cannot not get involved. We we must preach. We must go. We must give. We must sing. We must stand. We must witness. There is a, there is a cause, and it's my cause. I was born in Danville, Virginia. 30 miles east of there is a little town called South Boston, Virginia, Halifax County, Virginia. And in February of 1775, Two Baptist preachers were horse-whipped on the county square by the magistrates of that city because they took a stand against infant baptism. 
because they believed in a regenerated church membership. Because they believed you must be born again to know Christ. They were horsewhipped by the magistrates of Halifax County, Virginia on the courthouse square. Horsewhipped in America because they preached the blood and the book and the blessed hope because they preached on you must be born again and you must be washed in the blood to go to heaven. They wore horsewood in public not far from where Brother Whitlow was born and raised. And up the road 130 miles in Richmond, Virginia, there was a little short, young Baptist lawyer by the name of Patrick Henry. And he heard about those preachers 130 miles south being horsewhipped by the magistrates of that county. And as he stood on March the 23rd, 1775 at St. John's Church, he took a letter opener and he looked at it and it made it look like a dagger. And this man held it over top of his heart and he said these words that changed our nation. What course others take, I do not know. But as for me, as for me, as for me, give me liberty or give me death. He said to the farmer, you make up your mind. He said to the mechanic, make up your mind. He said to the doctors and the lawyers, make up your mind. He said to the politicians, make up your mind. I've already made up my mind. Give me liberty or give me death. He said, I cannot stay silent. I cannot stay neutral. We must press forward and see it to the completion. Oh, may I remind you tonight, God is good. Calvary's calling. Heaven is real. Hell is too. And there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And my heart's moving. My heart's burning. My conscience is pricking me. There is a cause. There is a cause. It is my cause. It is my cause. It is your cause. Let's wait in tonight and live for God. It's worth it. There is a call. Rally the troops. Rally the troops. There is a cause. You ready? Number one, his cause. Number two, their cause. Number three, my cause. Number four, raise both of them now. You ready? And do like this. The cause. Said with me. The cause. Say it with me. The cause. We're having fun exercising. We've sang, we've cried, we've shouted, and flown planes. Now let's actually, a little aerobics. The cause. The cause. You see in this text tonight, more than Israel is going to benefit from the victory that's won in this valley, more than Israel is going to benefit. More than the sons of Jacob is going to benefit. More than King Saul and his legacy is going to benefit. More than David and his fame is going to benefit. The results of the victory. I got wrote down on my outline, holler glory right here. Glory right here. The result of this victory will have a worldwide effect. Here we are tonight, 2021, 
Right in the midst of a pandemic and political upheaval and the whole world has taken a crazy pill. But yet the victory that was won in this battle, in this valley, in this text, we're a feeling and enjoying the results of it tonight. You say you've lost your mind. You came to hear me. Brother Joe, how could we be reaping the benefit of the victory won in this battle? Well, you see, God prophesied that a, a deliverer would come, an emancipator will come, a savior will come, the Messiah will come, and he is going to use the seed of Israel to bring this Messiah, to bring this Christ, to bring this Redeemer, to bring this Emancipator, to bring this Deliverer into the world. So the devil says, if I destroy them and extinguish them and wipe them off of the face of the earth, the Redeemer won't come. The Messiah won't come. The Savior won't come. The Liberator won't come. The Emancipator won't come. But how many will agree with me tonight? The devil is always a day late and a dollar short. Loser, loser, loser. He thinks I'll destroy Saul, I'll destroy Israel, I'll destroy the Messiah and that Savior, that Redeemer, the one that's going to nail my hide and steal all of my converts. He'll never make it if I destroy this little nation of Israel. But once again, he's a day late and a dollar short. There stands a little old boy dripping under the anointing oil of the Holy Ghost of the living God and he wades in that battle and he takes a sling and one rock and he defeats the giant. He defeats the, Israel, the, the, the enemy and Israel lives another day. Israel survives another day. You say, what is that a picture of? Oh, aren't you glad 2,000 years ago our heavenly anointed king, the root and the offspring of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah waited on top of that hillside, a hill called Calvary, and not with a sling and a rock, but with a cross and two rusty nails. He finished it. He won the battle. He defeated the devil. And the whole world can be saved tonight. I said the whole world can be saved tonight. I'm not a Calvinist nor a friend or a kin to a Calvinist. Hey, it's for the whole world tonight. It's the cause. It is the cause. What is the cause that the whole world may know Jesus saves? That is the cause. That is the cause. David's odds, he was outnumbered. He was out-equipped. He was out-experienced. But he was not out-anointed. He waited in the battle because he said, you know what? The God that gave me the lion and the God that gave me the bear is the same God that's going to take care of that enemy right there. God's been faithful before and he's still faithful. God is still omnipotent. God is still sovereign. God still has all power in heaven and in earth. 
God did not fail your father and he did not fail my father and God has not failed you and God has not failed me and he will not fail your children. He will not fail my children. He will not fail your grandchildren. He will not fail my grandchildren. I've got all the confidence in the world tonight that we're on the winning side. He's still the king. He's still the potentate. He's still the Lord. There is a cause, the cause. Let's go after it tonight that the whole world may know Jesus saves. June the 18th, 1940. If you remember it, say, oh me. But June the 18th, 1940, 3.49 in the afternoon, for 36 minutes, Winston Churchill stood before the House of Common and literally Dr. Truber on the stage of time in one of the darkest days of modern civilization. And as he rallies the moral of it, the morale of his people, and as he tries to rally his troops in a long, hard-fought war, when referring to their sacrifice and commitment, he made this statement. If we fail at this task, then the whole world, including the United States, and all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age. And before he closed, he made this admonition. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last another thousand years, men will look back on this time and say, this was their finest hour. You say, what has that got to do with us? I'm glad you asked. We have faced a day that no other generation's ever faced. Dr. Howes didn't write one of their manuals on how to survive a pandemic. I've got eight years of Bible college and I've never read a book on how to, I never wrote a thesis on how to survive a pandemic. We're faced what no other generation's faced. My father that went to heaven in 2008, he would have never dreamed there would be a day when the abortion clinic would be open and the tattoo parlor would be open and the beard joint would be open and the church closed. They could not have fathomed that in America. We're faced with a day like no other generation has ever faced. And Dr. Treber, one day out in the future, somewhere out there, a historian is going to write about the pandemic about the coronavirus. He's going to write about how the government handled it, how the world handled it, how the entertainment, the sports world handled it. And there'll be a section in his book on the religious world, the church. How did they handle the pandemic? How did they handle the political upheaval? How did they handle the threat of their freedoms how did they handle being told by the government you can or you cannot assemble together? 
How did the church fare? How did the church fare? How did the preacher fare? How did the pastor fare? How did the members fare? How did they do in the midst of the pandemic and political upheaval of 2020 and 21? How did they do? I hope that someday an historian can write about this hour and say, we don't know what kind of job the government did and we don't know what kind of job the scientists did. We don't know what kind of job the entertainment world did, but the Christians, the church. Out of all they went through in church history, this was their finest hour. They never won as many souls as they did during that pandemic. They never knocked on as many doors as they did in the pandemic. They've never sent missionaries more than they did in the pandemic. They never shouted and worshiped and stood and preached and prayed. The devil tried to silence them and the devil tried to shut them down, but they would not be denied. They would not be defeated. They would not be toured. God's people stepped to the plate for such a time as this and that was their finest hour. There is a cause tonight. There is a cause tonight. His cause. Their cause. My cause. The cause. Onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus gone on before. While I'm on the winning side Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. Rally the troops. Rally the troops. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.